0: Hey there, Moto America fans! I'm Paul Cruthers, the communications manager for Moto America, and this is our weekly podcast, Off Track. And we're joined today by, uh, as always, but this time he's the birthday boy, is uh, Sean Vice in Ohio I had his birthday yesterday. And um, ironically enough, this is our 90th show. But you're not 90, are you, Sean? No,
1: <laughs> not quite that. But if you turned well, maybe one of those numbers upside down, it probably would be about right, which is. A little hard for me to believe, anyway. But I guess it it, it gives us a, a little bit of a breadth of knowledge. You know, you can't you can't have a lot of knowledge about the history of our sport and not be old. I guess you know it's unless you are really a big fan of history or something. But um, yeah, it's crazy. I can't believe it. I'm I was born the same year as Wayne, and that's the thing. That's my claim to fame. But right now I'm I'm just a little bit older than him until October. So
0: you got a year on me.
1: That's right. Exactly. Yeah.
0: But you know, Maybe I don't know as much as you,
1: <laughs> but you know, it's crazy. I mean, I don't feel it. I mean, I know you don't either. It's just weird how things are about that stuff. But, um, but yeah, that's over and done with unlike my wife who, when it's her birthday, it's like a Mardi Gras. It goes on for weeks. For me one day and I'm good. I'll move on from there. So, um, but yeah, I'm excited about this uh, this podcast. Last week, I did a story about Twins Cup and how that series. Well, all of our all of our classes are going a lot faster. You know, we saw Cameron Bobier break the track record twice at Road American Superbike, but we see that in in every one of our classes. I mean, every year it's onward and upward, and every every uh, track that we repeat at, you know, the guys go faster. And in only two short years, that class is really doing well and it's it's doubled in size um and at it, least double triple yeah. since
0: the very beginning i think
1: yeah and it's hard to believe it's only been a couple of years you know two, 2018 is when we um debuted it and it's it's hugely popular with with the fans their fans are always asking about it um but yeah they're going a lot faster and the cool thing is i was looking back and 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 only in in only two short years Two, There are two guys that are original Twins Cup riders. One of them is Chris Parrish. The other one is the guest that we have on the podcast today. The one, the only, Jason Madama. Jason, um, thanks for being on the podcast. How are
0: you?
2: Good, man. Good. Thanks for having me.
0: Okay, so Jason, I got one question for you. Are you wearing a shirt?
2: <laughs> I, I wasn't a minute ago, but I put one on for the interview. I didn't want to, uh, you know, I didn't want to. Wow.
0: It's always important to wear a shirt in an interview that doesn't have video.
2: <laughs> well, I, I, would, I, had... I was out in the, I was out in the driveway, air broom in my, uh, air broom in my driveway. And, uh, you know, it's like 80 something degrees here. It's pretty warm. So yeah, I had it off a second ago.
0: That's very, um, conscious of you to air, do it rather than you know waste water i, I yeah. applaud you i applaud you for that it's
2: a massive driveway I've, it would use way too much water
1: <laughs> i gotta laugh about the shirt thing because it Road america too i went down you know i went got in the golf cart and went down and went out looking for these guys and i i find where jason's set up for i can see the the crazy colors of his his paddock area and i I pull up and sure enough, there he is. It's like, he's like the illustrated man. I mean, you don't, you can't really tell that he's not wearing a shirt cause he's got so many tats and I'm like, oh, he's got a patterned shirt on. Oh wait, no, he's not. So, so, I, I love it. And, that, and he even pointed it out. He goes, Hey, look, i have been wearing a shirt. So, um, so, so Jason, let's, let's talk about this a little bit with, with you, you uh, in two short years, you're, You're a veteran of Twins Cup and one of the originals, you and Chris Parrish. And it's been interesting these past three years. I mean, the first year, you finished second and and only lost the championship by three points to Parrish. Um, You had three wins and five podiums. Last year, you didn't get any podiums, but you had said in the past it had to do with the fact that your program was a little different. It was kind of you doing everything by yourself, which... Um, because of circumstances you had to do but um this year you've started off again like gangbusters i mean you're third in the championship right now you got a third in the first race uh at road america one and, and a fourth in the second race so it's really you've turned it around again to almost like you did that first year are, are you feeling better about your program this year
2: yeah i mean i found i found some things that were wrong with my chassis setup and uh, over winter i did a little bit of testing i was able to fix some of the problems that we were having with the bike, which is, you know, obviously a little bit more confidence inspiring. Um, and then the last couple of rounds I've had people out there with me. So, uh, not as scared to, you know, put it into the air fence and not be able to get home. So <laughs> I, uh, I definitely am a little bit more confident and I'm just kind of having a little bit more fun with it this year. I mean, last year, like I said, I was a little stressed out cause I was doing it all by myself. And I was, I mean, I still am basically doing it by myself, but I have at least, uh, uh, people that are coming with me that will help drive my rig and, you know, take care of Tessa, the dog, if something happens to me. So it's, you know, in my head it just feels a little better to go faster if I have people here with me, you know, so.
0: Kind of makes sense. And I see – I looked at uh, I looked at the lap times and stuff over the course of the, the this year versus last, and it looks like uh, – well, you must have had an issue in qualifying for race two or round two at road America because you didn't go as fast. But, uh, in round one, you were third on the grid with a two thirty point four zero eight, Um, and that was like 1.29 seconds quicker than you'd gone the, the year before. So obviously what you're doing is making a difference.
2: Yeah. I mean, everyone's going faster and just being able to follow, you know, faster people makes you go faster, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I blew up I well, I didn't really blow an engine. I blew a head gasket on my fast motor. Uh, in the morning warm-up or in the beginning of Q2, so I didn't really get a run a fast time. So I basically took my Q1 times from last uh, round, and that's where I ended up qualifying, which was ninth, which was horrible. Uh, definitely didn't help. But I was able to, like, I mean, I'm sure you guys saw the race. I was able to catch back up and battle with the boys for the podium. And if I wouldn't have made a mistake, I probably would have had a better chance of trying to get it up on the box. But Uh, I actually, it's so funny. I crossed the white flag thinking it was the checkered flag and I was in third and I was like super pumped. I was like, I did it. I timed it perfectly. And then when I crossed the start finish, I looked, I'm like, ah, shit. I was like, that's not the last lap. And so I had a whole nother lap to, And I pretty much panicked. I like made like three huge mistakes in the last lap, which cost me big time. So.
1: That well, that was a crazy group of riders together. I mean, we we thought you were going to get that last spot on the podium, and it, it, it looked looked like it was going to happen right up until the end. And it just was a matter of I don't know the draft and how many people were involved there. But it seemed like there were three or four riders at least that could have ended up with that, including you. Is that was
2: that the case? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, like I said, I crossed the last lap in third, and uh, was you know in and out of third to fit. I mean, there was you know I think it was Hayden Schultz and Kamsook and cooper and me and standish or who else was it was it yeah, I, I think remember. it was trevor yeah, yeah. yeah and it was I mean, we were battling holy crap i mean it wasn't even all on tv i watched the race afterwards and i was like god they missed a bunch i mean we were back and forth and back and forth i mean the different person led every corner pretty much so it was it was so much fun i mean even as disappointed as i was not to get on the podium i was still happy to have a race you know that good so
1: yeah. You know, Jason, it's funny with you. you, you, we know you want to win. We know you got huge drive to win, but you seem to me to enjoy riding a motorcycle and racing a motorcycle as much as, as anybody I've ever known. Um, it just seems like you like to be out there and and you like to be mixing it up with other riders. Unfortunately, it didn't work out as far as the podium goes, but to your point, you still, you still enjoyed the heck out of that race, right? I mean, it's, you do, you have a lot of fun, don't you?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I was saying, I kind of last year I was a little stressed out and I was, you know, some of the races I wasn't really enjoying myself and I just get hard I'm hard on myself. I'm like my worst critic. So I, you know, when I start sucking, I start it, you know sort of puts me in like a like a lower place and I'm not really having fun and I'm more stressed out and I'm having bike problems. I mean, last year I had so many stupid little problems. Gas lids falling off and shifters falling off and we're running out of gas and I blew a head gasket last year and, you know, I just, I mean, literally I didn't feel like I had one weekend where everything just fell into place. Uh, I mean, even Utah, where it all finally did, I had family out there and friends and people helping me pit and I was battling for the podium with Cooper and I got black flagged for jumping the start. And so, I mean, it would seem like every single weekend I just had like, you know, drama after drama after drama. And I think I'm a little bit more prepared this year with uh, some spare parts and some things like that. And, uh, you know, like I was saying, my, I have people that are, you know, driving with me and coming with me. So it's making the drive a little bit less stressful and having company to keep me occupied and, uh, uh, just having a little bit more fun. And I'm, you know, I'm not quite as scared to crash because of all the backup stuff I have, you know, in case something does go down, I can fix the bike. So yeah, it definitely makes a difference and I'm definitely having a good time. man. I, I love this class. I think it's so fun. It's like the adult twins class or the adult junior cup, you know, it's like, Really, really close <laughs> and close battles, and all the guys are really fun. And even the kids, I mean, the young kids that are stepping up are fast and pushing all of us. And, you know, it's, it's a lot more, I mean, it, it sounds kind of weird, but it's more kind of clubby than it is, like, super professional and, like, super PC, you know? So it's, we have a lot of fun, and it's a good group of dudes, so.
0: And it's kind of cool that it's like that. In fact, I'd like to see it stay like that. Sometimes these things don't because they evolve and they get more serious. But, uh, you know, hopefully that that class continues to have the kind of soul that it that it does now as as we go forward. What people don't understand. I mean, you live out in California, right? No, I'm in Colorado. Well, same thing starts with a C (laughs) (laughs) and a vowel. Yeah. Um, So anyway, so you're in Colorado. but People don't understand like they I think they picture in their mind, you know, uh, you know, these road race stars jumping on a plane and flying to Atlanta and. You know, they get there and and everything's handled for them. The semi's there. Their bikes are unloaded. They're fully prepped. Tell us a little bit, like, take us through a guy like yourself who's who's in Colorado and he's got to go to Atlanta and he's got to be in Atlanta. I guess you'd, you'd get there Thursday afternoon. Take us through, like, when, when would you leave Colorado? And, like, to just fill people in a little bit on what, what that life is actually like because it's it's not necessarily as glamorous as what, the, what people think. But then again, you obviously are able to throw in a lot of fun in that. So just kind of take us through like when you would leave and how that trip would work out, and once you get there, what it takes to make it all happen.
2: I mean, there's kind of two scenarios uh, like this for Atlanta. I left my trailer and bike and everything in Chicago. I have a friend that lives there, and so I was able to park it and fly home and hang out home, you know, and but with leaving all my stuff out and. Chicago and it was only a couple hours from, you know, road america. So, uh after, you know, like for example the first round, you know, I left uh we don't move in till Thursday. I left Sunday. I mean, I gave myself ample time. Uh I only drive maybe 5 or 6 hours a day and I stop and eat breakfast and lunch and dinner and hang out with Tessa and go for walks and walk around and check out the scenery and I try not to stress myself out, you know, driving 8, 10, 12, 15 hours in a pop and so, I, you know, I, I, I spread everything out so I'm not driving a lot. And, you know, I don't skimp when it comes to, like, you know, I'm in a toy hauler. So, like, I'll stop at, like, a KOA, somewhere I can plug in and take a shower and maybe do some laundry. And, you know, so I try and keep the driving part of it as less stressful as possible. But, you know, when we get to the track on Thursday, uh, we have, a, you know, an alligated time that we move in. And that same day, you also have to make sure you have tires for P one for the next day. You have to make sure your bike's tech. You have to make sure all your gear and helmets and boots and everything you're teched. And I don't have a, a crew guy. I do all that stuff on my own. My crew guy actually is Dustin Apgar that works for, uh, you know, Dominic Doyle and Bartcon. And he just says, a, he's a good buddy of mine. So, you know, he's not like a hired hand. I can't really tell him what to do. So I, he just does it just because he's my good friend and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to see me just struggling out there all by myself. And so, uh, uh, so he's helping me and then you know like i said this round i got another buddy that's from colorado that's coming out with me and we're flying into atlanta or into uh wisconsin and picking up i actually bought a new motorhome so uh when i show up to the road atlanta race i will have a new rig so i'm pretty pumped about oh, that nice. um, wow that's great but yeah i mean yeah. I, I set up my, i set up my own canopies i do my own tires i ch- always change my oil every weekend twice and uh you know, I go through every nut and bolt and double check all the rear set brackets and clip-ons and make sure everything's how I want it. And you know, I clean the fuel pump because we have to run this tire f- or a tank foam that kind of deteriorates. And so I go through and make sure the fuel filter's clean. And I just try and like, you know, like they say, good preparation creates good performance. So I'm just trying to make sure the bike's dialed and I'm dialed. And you know, I'm try not to drink too much so I don't have a hangover. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: actually I didn't know that Dustin was working with you um, that's really good he's a terrific guy um, I know a couple years ago he, he worked um, with uh, oh my gosh it's the other guy from from Phoenix uh, in Junior Cup I can't even you know yeah, love John, that kid John, uh, John on- or whatever yeah yeah how could I not know his name? He's the same fucking first...
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Same first name as mine. <laughs> Dude, it was that... That was Sean Vice's first cuss word on a podcast, and he went with the F-bomb. <laughs> nice. Well, hopefully nobody
1: will hear it, because you're going to take it
0: out. <laughs> no,
2: I'm not. I'm going to turn, turn it up. Well, hammer's on, man. You got to cuss on. There That's you go. true, you
1: do. But, well, let me, let me get past that. So, anyway, but Dustin's a good guy, and, of course, the thing I remember about him is at Daytona with uh, Jody Berry when he he had got his foot caught in the, um, the chain and, you know, uh, Jody helped Dustin. Right. And I mean, he's still got a little bit of a limp from that, I think, but he's, he's a good guy to have in your corner, Jason.
2: That's, that's awesome. Um, I want to ask you about, go ahead. No. No, you're fine. I was just going to say his job is to, you know, double check my work and then he does all my tire pressures on and off the grid when I come in and, you know, in between sessions and whatnot. And so he's kind of like my technical guy. And we talk about suspension and my goal for the qualifying or the race and, you know, what I should, you know, mentally do and how I should attack and how I should, you know strategize and stuff like that. So he's, I mean, he's really talented. I mean, you look at what he's doing with Dominic. I mean, Dominic's kicking everybody's ass. Well, I mean, kind of, but these women uh, Rocker are kicking everybody's ass. And I think that uh, you know, Dustin's got a good head on his shoulders and he, he really, really helps me out tremendously. So I thank him massively. So.
1: Yeah, that's great. Um, let's talk about the mechanical part of a little bit, because the story I wrote last week, I, I talked to Chris Parrish about this a little bit and, and how you guys that have club raced you kind of because it's one bike for the most part you're really kind of focused on making sure that the bike lasts you know kind of a a season if not uh, you know well a, a couple of rounds if not a season but now chris says he's got some backups he's got a backup engine so they're doing more to the engine to get more performance out of it the performance is higher in the class because you don't have to worry that much about about holding the engine together because you put a different one in and you mentioned that you have some backup stuff now is that kind of your way of doing it to you do you have more spares than you did before and is that free you up to be able to you know kind of put it out there a little bit more
2: well yeah i had the same number of engines last year and thank god i did because like i said i had some issues with uh, one of them you know halfway through the season or so but um yeah man i mean i got a full set of bodywork that's wrapped and ready to go in case i crash and spare subframe and spare set of wheels and a spare engine and spare mainframe and uh, a couple different ecus and just you know just in case something goes wrong a couple batteries and a couple radiators and so yeah i mean that definitely like i said is confidence inspiring i don't if something happens in practice or warm-up or even like a double race weekend i can always put it back together even if i crash at the race i have couple weeks or a week to get it put together in between rounds and you know fix it and so uh yeah it helps for sure man it definitely makes a difference
1: and you've been consistent with uh, racing a yamaha since the beginning do you think in the time that you've you've raced a, 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 the MTO 7 or fco7 base for your bike a, is it at the point now where you've gotten pretty much everything you can out of it or do you feel like there's still some more that you can possibly extract from, from that platform?
2: I mean, as far as power, there's definitely more, but like you said, it starts to get a little temperamental. So I, uh, we built a motor that's reliable. Um, I'd rather not swap engines and that wasn't the greatest time last weekend having to swap a motor in between qualifying in the race. So, uh, um, obviously there's probably another five or six horsepower we could squeeze out of it if I really wanted to. But I mean, honestly, like, as light as the bikes are and as competitive as the class is, that little bit of power really only makes a difference at a couple tracks. And uh, it's really a corner speed momentum bike. So it doesn't, I don't think it's imperative to have like all the most power. I mean, it definitely would help, but I I think that, uh, I mean, the SV is not as fast as the MT and those kids are still winning. So it just goes to show you.
0: You mentioned a little bit earlier about, uh, you mentioned Rocco Landers and, and obviously him and, and Caleb DeCarol have, 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 won all the races so far. Um, have you had a chance to, to spend any time on the track with those two guys? I mean, they were a little bit ahead at the, at the, at both rounds of, of the rest of the guys that you were battling with. Have you seen anything from them? Like, do you, have you been out on track and go, oh man, they're really good at this, or they're really good at that, or has not, that not been the case? I mean, honestly,
2: it's especially like at Road America, they're faster, but not that much faster. I mean, we're talking a couple tenths tents here, a couple tenths tents there. I mean, I was behind Rocco in the first round and I didn't know who it was. And I was like, God damn, this kid's hauling ass. I was like, I'm going to try and get up with him and see who it is. And then when I finally got close enough to see who it was, I was like, ah, shit, that's Rocco. No wonder. I was like, damn, well, I feel good about myself that I can keep up with him because I was initially sort of worried he would just beat the crap out of all of us because he's so damn fast. And uh, it really hasn't been that bad. I mean, him and, you know, Caleb's kept him on us and we're all within the half a second or so of their lap times. I just, I think that, you know, he's just like, I mean, he's his family pushes him really hard and he is a pure blood racer. He literally races and rides every single weekend and he's a third of my age. So uh, I'm trying to uh, trying to keep these young kids in, in, you know, in, in sight so uh but yeah i mean i i haven't really had a whole lot of time with either of them a little bit here and there but not like i mean i talked to caleb about strategy and gearing and stuff and you know we're we're kind of buddies and i don't mind helping you know him and talking about you know different gear points and shifting and we help each other by talking so um like i said i'd rather beat him on track than have something happen and not be able to race or uh you know just have him make a big change in the bike that isn't going to help them where we can't actually have a battle i'd rather just have it be a good fun race and even if i end up seventh or fifth or third or whatever it's uh it's still fun just to race you know so
0: it's kind of amazing i'm sure you feel the same way i do when you look at those kids well like rocco especially i mean he's 15 years old and when you watch him on the track you don't feel you don't even think of him as being that age but then, when he's off the bike and stuff, and you can see that he's at—he's a fifteen-year-old kid. And when you think back to what, what you were doing at fifteen, it—I don't know—it always amazes me that these kids can be so fast and so mature at such a young age nowadays.
2: I know, and they're so dorky off track. It's so funny. They literally are I know,
0: funny. like you expect like, her to go play in the sandbox or something. <laughs> I
2: know. <laughs> Just like you let that kid beat you, I'm like, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, let's let's
1: talk about your, um, we've run some of your videos uh, that you've sent us and, you know, send us more please because your stuff is great, but you're always seemingly working on something and it's usually smaller bikes. You seem to enjoy the small bikes and maybe do you go on car tracks and train and are you, do you have a, a couple of small bikes that you like to play around with a lot?
2: Oh yeah. I mean, I, that's what really taught me how to go fast was riding mini bikes. Uh, I was decently quick, uh, on a 600. And <clears throat> when I started, you know, in 2003, it's been a long, long career, but, uh, I started racing two fifties and R threes like in 2010. And so, I mean, a long time ago, 10 years ago, and it just, it changed the way I rode. You know, I, I always had the balls to go fast on a bike, but I didn't know the concept of like carrying corner speed and trail braking and momentum. And, you know, consistency and all that kind of thing really goes, it gets magnified huge when you're riding little tiny bikes. So, you know, I, I built, I was just talking to somebody yesterday, we raced, uh, <laughs> we raced mini motos on there on Sunday <clears throat> with the Rocky Mountain mini moto boys. And I was like, uh, yeah, I built my first KX 65 mini in 2005. I mean, that was 15 years ago. And so I still have, that wow. I mean, it's just crazy that like, you know, now you see the Ovales and you see all these, you know, minis here and there. And back when I did it, there wasn't the like face social media or Facebook or any way to like share. We just I basically saw this two stroke sixty five and was like, I wanna ride this on the street. And so, you know, we went through all the iterations of changing wheel sizes and tires and trying to find suspension that worked and you know, and so I sort of was like an innovator of the platform of that Minimoto and now, you know, there's hundreds of people or maybe even thousands that race those little kx65s and so uh, i mean I, it's they're amazing and i also have a honda nsf 100 which is a 12. oh wow and uh i just i didn't have my truck this weekend so i can only bring one i just chose the kx 65 so but yeah i have a little hundred that's pretty fun too so um yeah i i really like the minis you know it teaches you a lot about you know like i said corner speed and trail braking and carrying momentum so
1: Is that what it is because they're smaller, so they don't have a lot of engine power, so to your point, you have to carry corner speed? Is it the fact that they're, you know, obviously a little closer to the ground or easier to handle? I mean, what what is it that makes those such a great training tool for riders?
2: It's like every little thing's magnified, like the steering twitching and tires sliding, and like you said, there's no power, so imagine if you have 10 guys all on 11 horsepower KX65s, And you're all pretty fast one little tiny tiny mistake and you're like you know you lose like four or five seconds and to catch that back up on 10 horsepower is like impossible I mean you have everyone you know ends up being pretty consistent and it it feels like a video game kind of like it's like one little tiny screw up and you're out of the race or like uh and you know just like I said keeping the bike in the right revs and being in the right gear and all that is just kind of like muscle memory for what you do on a big bike as far as, you know, how far you can push the front end before it starts to slide coming into a corner. And on a little bike, it's so little and so low to the ground, you can save it with your knee or even just slide the tire and pick it back up without risking crashing like a twenty or $30,000 race bike. And, I mean, you can build a KX65 for 1200 bucks, so you could drive it right into a river and just leave it there and build another one.
0: <laughs> have you had a chance to ride an no ovale yet? Because I, I heard those, you know, I, I, I've heard that that's why they're such a good training tool because they are, they require you to be pretty precise. I mean, they have the small wheels, which can, you know, get you into trouble if you're not real precise with how you do things. Is Have you had a chance to ride yeah. one of those yet?
2: I have, yeah. Uh, it's a little smaller. So, an ovale has 10-inch wheels and a KX and an NSF has 12-inch wheels. So, um, they're really tiny and I'm like six foot one. So it's, uh, I mean, it's kind of a shitty excuse. There's guys that are that tall that race and ride them, but it was really little for me. It felt small, even though I'm used to tiny bikes, it's felt really, really small. But I think, uh, I think it's awesome because there's an actual platform for all of these little kids to race the same competitive bike. And that's what makes this little kid racing and like the mini racing so fun is that everybody has very, very equal and similar bikes and you're not just racing with your wallet or anything like that. You're basically learning skills and learning racecraft and learning how to be in a group of people and not be intimidated by being close to people or putting your elbow on somebody's bike or bumping into somebody. I mean, I was with, I don't know if you guys remember Kevin Noldy. He was racing junior cup, I think last year, a couple rounds. Uh, he's from yes. Louisiana. So he came out to Colorado to race the mini cup or the mini uh, race with us this weekend. And, he's fast. I mean, he's, he's my size. He's about 150, 160 pounds. And, uh, he's, you know, he's only 15 or 16 too, but me and him, we ran into each other probably 10 times. I mean, I almost ran him over and went off the track and then I lost the brakes and almost took him out. And we've had contact all weekend and, you know, me and his dad are really good buddies. And so it was funny because I'd come in and your damn little kid ran into me again. And like, <laughs> so it just gets it gets you used to being in a group and racing at, at a and the thing is that they they feel like you're hauling ass, even though you're only doing like 20 or 30 miles an hour, you know, it feels like you're doing 70 because there's so little and there's so many guys around you and the tight, the tracks are so tight that you get the same sensation of racing. Like is on a big bike, except for a lot cheaper, a lot safer and a lot, you know, smaller. So that's really cool. Jason, hey, I want to change it up a
1: little bit and talk. Uh, I was happy to see your wife, Tiff, was at, uh, well, I can't remember. I think I asked you if she was at round one. I don't remember if she was, but I know she was at round two because I talked to you guys. But I, And I know she doesn't get to a lot of the rounds because you guys have a bridal shop. And amid this whole situation with COVID, it's I hear all these stories about people that aren't really getting married or they're putting off their you know, they're having engagements and putting off their dates or something. How has that business been for you guys in the bridal shop? Is it, is it been affected a lot?
2: Yeah. I mean, we just sort of shut it down for a couple months. Um, Tiff Tiff had to have surgery. And so it was kind of of good timing. She could recover and chill. And uh, we opened up by appointment only uh, about a month ago. And, you know, her managers and employees have been really good about keeping it rocking and uh it's doing okay we're probably at like 30 percent of what we were when this all went down but it's enough to keep everything afloat and still put a little money in our pockets and it's you know girls are funny man when you talk about wedding dresses or weddings it doesn't matter if the fucking world's on fire they're getting married man like (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't matter
1: (laughs) okay so this is another question i have to ask you this so okay uh i don't well this isn't really covid related but it occurred to me we've heard all this talk about lately about the washington redskins and whatever their name is going to be well as i recall you live in indian hills colorado is there anywhere any talk about your town changing its name is there any anything non-pc about your your town name
2: <laughs> no no not at all we it, it was funny we were down at the local pub and uh, a bunch of the old-timers veterans you know old, our old guy, army guys and stuff were like yeah. Indian Hills isn't changing its name. We're like, we're, I'm not, I'll leave this place if they start trying to change the name and everyone, you know, all the town people, are, it's a really small town. So everyone's like, yeah, we're leaving it, man. Screw that. So you now its it was, uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a cool little town, man. And I think we're, we're, we're good on that. I think so. That's good.
1: Um, there was something I was going to ask you earlier when you had said something, you were talked about how you basically left your, all of your stuff in Chicago um, and I see this happen a lot when we come to a next round after it's been a month off or something, and I'll see first day people are working feverishly on their bikes. And I always am wondering like, what the heck is going on? I mean, they've had all this time between before that, but to your point, you haven't seen your bike since the last round and you're not going to see it until road Atlanta. Is that correct?
2: Well, I'll, uh, so I bought a new motorhome, so I had to move all the wheel stands and everything into the new motorhome, And uh I kind of was able to organize all my stuff again, moving it from one camper to the other. And um I'm gonna actually <clears throat> leave it on the twenty second. So I got like about eight days to get from you know, Chicago to Road Atlanta and I'm gonna stop at uh uh Brandon Cole owns PS Power Sports, who's one of Curtis Murray's sponsors. I don't know if you guys I mean you guys obviously remember yeah. Curtis Murray. So he lives in North Carolina, so I'm gonna detour a little bit and he's got a motorcycle shop and so I'll probably yank the thing out of the trailer and try and get some of it done you know, halfway on the trip down to Atlanta, um, do the oil change and, uh, clean it up and just kind of tight make sure everything's all tight and good. And, um, I don't have my new motor or my, you know, the one that blew up or didn't blow up a head gasket is not done. So I'm gonna have to run the B motor again in Atlanta. So I don't have to swap the motor back over. So that's kind of nice, but, uh, I'll definitely work on it a little bit in between. Hopefully when I show up, I don't have to do too much work on Thursday. So. But so that's exactly the thing, though.
1: You guys, you know, even though there is a lot of time in between, the logistics sometimes dictate the fact that you have to go home, but you can't bring your equipment with you. So you have to make arrangements to try to spend some time with it before the next round. It's not like, you know, you can leisurely be working on it over the whatever four weeks between rounds. So that's kind of an interesting perspective, especially for, you know, the class Twins Cup, the way you guys are a little bit more hard scrabble about your stuff. Um, you mentioned Curtis Murray. Do you have any ideas? We haven't got, seen the entry list yet, uh, but he's pretty strong. And I know he's raced it at, at, I think he's raced it at road at I know VIR, is he going to race road Atlanta? Do
2: you, do you know? I don't think this round, he didn't say anything to me about it. I know he just had a kid, so he's uh oh, fresh, okay. fresh baby. So I don't, he's, you know, he's probably doing some family things, but I'll harass him when I get out there uh, in a couple of weeks and, I'm I think I, when I talked to him about it last time, he was like, I might do a couple rounds, you know? And so I, uh, I, that's about his accent too. Nice job on that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a pretty good impression for a guy from Colorado. Well, we, you know, um, we call, call him Seabass
2: cause he's so redneck.
1: That's a, <laughs> nickname. The other thing I was kind of delighted to hear from you is the fact that you, I, I wouldn't have known that you hang out or, are friend, good friends with Caleb. Um, He's a good kid. I, it's just, you know, thinking about you two guys, you know, you don't, I would think it's almost like you're in different circles of people or something, but that's, I love, that's the thing I love about the, the classes. There's such camaraderie up through, regardless of, I guess, background, certainly age, anything like that. You guys have a, a real nice brotherhood and, and sisterhood if there was some, if Daniel Diaz would come back and race in our, in that series again in that class, but um, but it's, it's cool for you guys to
2: do that. Caleb's cool, man. He's uh, we're definitely different, you know, cultures of people for sure. I mean, he's very, very clean Klinka. And, but we talked way, way before the season started about setups and bikes. And he was telling me he was wanting to do the twins class. And so we taught, we talk, you know, on social media and text, just like we talked for all the time. And so, you know, the last two rounds we were pitted right next to each other. So we were able to, you know, walk back and forth and kind of collaborate and talk. And we, like I said, we talked a little bit about gearing and just, you know, how we feel and how the track feels. And I mean, he's fast. So, you know, I'm it's, I don't mind following him around and, and learning something. And he's definitely way more structured and motivated and, uh, um, training and in shape and all that. So he's a, he's a good dude. To pull, so, <laughs>
1: Well, speaking of training, I wanted to ask you about this before. Do you do you train? Do you do anything for do you run or bicycle or anything? Hell no. <laughs> but you got you must have pretty high metabolism though, because you're a very thin
2: guy. I mean, you don't have issues, that's for sure. Well, I was, after Christmas, I was I was like 170 pounds, and I dropped to 155. So I started like watching what I was eating and drinking less beer and. Uh, ride, riding, <laughs> riding My mini moto, the mini moto is actually killer, killer training. I mean, you can beat yourself to death on that thing. I mean, we, we ride from 11 AM to 5 PM, you know, 10 sessions, 30 minute sessions. And, you know, all of us are battling and, you know, back and forth and, you know, so the mini really, really is a good trainer and, uh, but yeah, I've always been skinny, so I do. Okay.
1: What's the track that you ride on locally with, when you do all this training?
2: Well, that's what's so cool about the minis. I got like five tracks within like an hour. So, uh, SBR in Colorado Springs is a really good one. There's Vandermeer, which is like two minutes from my house. And then IMI, which is like 40 minutes away and Grand Junction, which is a couple hours, but it's still close enough to go ride if you want. And uh, I mean, there's a handful of really cool mini moto tracks that are within reaching distance. So. Wow. That is really cool. All right,
0: I, I've just got one more and then I'll let Sean wrap it up, but. Uh, in a few weeks here, we obviously go to Road Atlanta, and we've talked about that a little bit, but uh, would 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 you be more comfortable going to a Road Atlanta than you would have been at Road America as far as what you
2: think the gap could be to the top two? Uh, no, I've always been fast at Road America, so I was confident going there that I'd do good. And plus, my before I had the motor problem, I had a, probably one of the fastest bikes on the grid, so I was... Uh, Definitely competitive for, road, or for uh, road America, but Atlanta, I've actually done really well. I think I got fourth in the first year, and it was my first time ever there, and I think I got second, last, first year, 18? I, I can't remember, but uh, I've always done awesome. yeah, it. I, like, uh, I like Atlanta. I mean, I think it's a fun track, and I mean, honestly, the only track I didn't like was Sonoma. It wasn't that it was a bad layout, it was just so dusty and so many different pavement like variations that it was hard to get like comfortable for me but we got um, rid of that for you yeah i know so <laughs> yeah <rid> of that. <laughs> but yeah no i think road, road atlanta is gonna be fun i mean i i'm confident just in general all the tracks i mean I, I there's a handful that i really really like and uh but i don't have any problems with atlanta i think it's nice man so that's that bodes
1: well for you that's good well, Jason, um, thank you for being on with us. Um, always great to talk to you at the track as well as through these podcasts and catch up with you. You're a good spokesperson for not only Twins Cup but certainly for Moto America as well. So,
2: um, really appreciate you on coming on. Yeah, I appreciate you having me for sure. It's always fun chatting with you guys.
1: And to the fans, to the fans out there, I want to say you know thank you for listening to our podcast. Um, please subscribe to moto america live plus our popular subscription streaming service and also don't forget to get your race weekend tickets road atlanta is coming up jason one of jason's favorite tracks you'll get to see him out there um and to do that to get live plus and tickets you can go to motoamerica.com and for complete details on that and our our uh, rounds coming up after road atlanta as well pittsburgh and and so forth so um but thanks for listening
0: yeah thanks for coming on jason Yeah, thanks, you guys. We'll talk uh, in a couple weeks.